Welcome to More Pages, the podcast where two girls compete to see who will read the most pages and talk about all things book-related along the way. My name is Sarah. My name is Faith. And welcome to episode two. Episode two! It's happening. We made it past one episode of the pod. So it's official. It's a real podcast now. It's a real podcast now. And tell us what the vibes are. Uh, today's vibes are... Growth. Growth. Yeah, because we're talking about... Well, we'll get into what we're talking about, but... Oh, I see the connection. Yeah. Okay, and also the growth of this podcast. Exactly. I think. Yeah. Well, why don't you... I think that's a pretty good segue, actually. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Uh, Today, we're going to talk about our book-related resolutions, uh, how we read last year, any goals that we had, any goals that we have for this year... And what we want out of our reading habits for this year. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be doing a little bit of a retrospective, if you will, on the reading of 2021. And then we're going to look ahead to 2022. Should we do a SWOT analysis also? No. (laughs) I hated doing those in in school. I do SWOT analysis analyses all the time. Well, that's why you're in STEM and I am not. (laughs) As a woman in STEM, the word retrospective was triggering. (laughs) I was thinking more like an art gallery retrospective. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So how was your reading in 2021? Give us an aperçu. Well, prior to 2021, I, like every true introvert. Probably like everyone listening to this. Yes. I was a bookworm when I was a kid and then uh, reading was ruined for me in university. I hated reading because I was doing so much of it for school. Didn't have time for it. And what did you do, do in school so the people can know? I did a degree in business communications, which was a little bit of a mishmash of half media and pop culture courses and half business courses. So very like rich texts that had to be read. Very dense texts, I guess. So that took a lot of time. And I didn't have time for my personal reading for fun. So that really fell off the wayside. I was really reading maybe five books a year. And most of that was done. Like if I went on vacation, I would power through like a book a day. I know. I know lots of people who read like that. Sort of vacation readers. Yeah, definitely. But I really wanted to get back to how I was previously when I was younger, which was that I was reading all the time. I was always like thinking about what I wanted to read next. I had like a long list of books that I wanted to read. I would get really lost in a book and really captivated by it. And I wanted to get that back. So in 2021, when I, we were in the pandemic still, and I was, you know, living alone. And I thought, what better time to really like make a goal out of reading books. So my goal for last year was 24 books. I was hoping to do two a month. And I read 40. So, woo! Very impressive. Thank you. Very well done. Thank you. And can you give, well, okay, I have a few questions. Yeah. But first, how do you think that, because you went from a few years of reading I don't want to say very few books because it's all relative, but, you know, reading fewer than 10 books in Mm -hmm. a year, typically, to reading 40 books in a year. So how do you think that changed your habits, your mental health, if at all, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely made it more of a habit to be reading. Like, I got very used to always having a book on the go or multiple books on the go because I always have multiple on the go and now it's just kind of part of my like daily routine is to read I think it was good for my mental health because I was living alone so I needed some form of escapism from uh the 2021 nonsense but also I when I wasn't reading as often I would just like binge watch Netflix which you know no shade to Netflix I love a good Netflix binge But also I work in tech and so I look at screens all day long, not just for my nine to five, but also for my freelance work. Like I'll sometimes look at screens for like 10, 12 hours a day. And that's a lot for your eyes. And then I would just move from my medium sized screen laptop (laughs) to the big screen of the TV while also looking at the little screen on my phone. Yeah. And we've all seen the tweet. Yeah. Yeah. And so adding in more time to read and less time to like binge watch shows meant that I had much less of a strain on my eyes. It did help for my mental health in the state that I was, but also for my physical health. That's a good point, you know. And I think that we, I mean, I think that there was a point in like the 90s and the 2000s when parents were really concerned about, I say parents because I was a child at that time, but I'm sure also people who were not parents were concerned about like, you know, how close you were to the TV screen and Mm -hmm. how that affected your vision. And for me, I don't have very good vision. And so... 
that was a big concern I remember in my childhood. But then I feel like that just fell off and everybody just accepted that we're going to be looking at screens all the time. Yeah. And, you know, is it still something to worry about? Maybe it is. Maybe it is good not only for your mental health and for, you know, widening your perspectives and all the other things that reading can do for you, but also just straight up for the health of your eyes to look at pages instead of at a screen. And you don't typically read ebooks either. Not that I know that they're not backlit. So yeah, an I, e-reader is yeah. a bit different from a traditional screen, but still you're looking mostly at physical books. Yeah, I do. You know, I said last episode too, like I do read ebooks sometimes. Um, like I'll read on my phone sometimes, but I try not. I'm If I do that, I'm only reading a couple of pages while I'm doing something. It's really hard for me to look at a screen for that long and read the words. And before... 2021 that was a lot of the way that I would read books like I would if I was reading books outside of the vacation time that I was taking where I was like reading physical books I was often reading something on my phone and you know not even just for your vision like I mean it did help my eyes but you know my neck would hurt from kind of slouching over my phone my shoulders my back and so you know all of that I feel like not that I sit in the most comfortable positions when I'm reading like sometimes I do hurt my neck when I'm reading because I'm like at all angles, just slouched over wherever Hunched I am. Slouched over like a little goblin over your book, like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm um, reading now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I think, you know, not looking at a phone. There's, I used to be the type of person that thought that people who said that they wanted to unplug were, like, just pretentious. I was like, what do you mean you want to unplug? You want to not look at your little screens? We I live in a look society. at the internet 23 hours a day and I'm fine. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is actually I was just a teenager. Um, yeah, very much not fine. Yeah. And now we are facing the consequences of that. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, when you're, like, in your late teens, early 20s, and you can do anything to your body and, like, it doesn't matter. And now I'm not within that age range. And... It does matter. Unfortunately, I do face consequences when I do not <laughs> treat my body properly. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, moving from the physical aspect to what you actually read last year. So... You read 40 books, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Did your reading change at all from the kinds of books you were reading previously to the kinds of books you read in 2021? Well, I think over the year it did change. Like um, at the start of the year, I did a lot of rereading of books that I had loved but kind of had like not gotten back into because I knew, you know, if I wanted to start this habit of reading and and make it a part of my everyday what I want to do with my time rather than just like sitting down and watching TV or scrolling on my phone. I would have to know that I was reading something that I was going to get into because it's really hard for me to push through a book if I don't like it because I'm such a plot reader. And especially if you've not been reading for a while and then you want to get back into reading and you're like, well, I should probably read War and Peace because, yeah. you know, I haven't read in so long. I need to really make it worth it. But it's like, that is a hard book to start back into as an example. So yeah. if you're doing rereads at the start and you already know that you like those books, that's a pretty smart way to tackle it. I've talked to people before who like, you know, fell out of reading as much as they did when they were younger. And I think there is like this idea that you have to read like these, here are the best ways to live your life, nonfiction books or like right. extremely like literary classic fiction books. And I was like, no, I want to do something that I enjoy. So I read a couple series that I really loved. Um, like? Well, I started with the Harry Potter series. I mm-hmm. reread all of those because I hadn't read them since I was like very, I guess I would have been a teenager the last time I read them. So I started with those. And then I also reread the Captive Prince series, which I love by C.S. Picot. And then after that, I was able to, because I had made reading such a habit, I was so used to doing it every day. I just kind of like moved through Part of my goal was to work my way through my bookshelf, which did not happen. I read a couple of books that I haven't read. In the time that I wasn't reading prior to 2021, I made a hobby of buying books that I said I was going to read and then I would never read. Like, I still went to bookstores all the time. Buying books and not reading them. Ugh. Yeah. I miss that. My favorite thing to do. (laughs) And so I just collected all of these books. Like, 70% of my bookshelf, I would say, just hadn't been read. And so I, my goal was to work my way from A, and my bookshelf is organized alphabetically by author's last name, so my goal was to start at A and just work my way through my books. I think I got halfway through the A's. No, I actually, I got to Atwood, and I didn't read The Handmaid's Tale, and <laughs> was like, all right, moving on. Have you never read The Handmaid's Tale? No. It's a good one. I'd I've had it. it on my shelf, literally since I was a teenager. Like, I remember... <laughs> 
picking it up in high school and being like, I'm going to read this for my ISU in English class. And then I read... Which is an independent studies unit for those of you who are not from Ontario. Yes. It is a project spanning a full semester. I I don't even know if this is in all Ontario schools. So for anyone who doesn't know what an ISU is, it's basically like a little mini thesis that you would do... Um, for a high school class. Yes, thank you for that context. So I remember picking it up and being like, I'm going to read this book for this essay that I have to write. And I didn't read it. I wound up reading something different. What'd you read? Um, I read Middlesex. You read Middlesex? Yeah. By Jeffrey Eugenides? Yeah. Isn't that like a million pages long? It's not that long. Oh my god. So just for context, I read The Handmaid's Tale when I was 14, I think, or 15, I read it in one day. Mm-hmm. I sat down. I, this was before the show came out. So I don't know if it would have, if you've seen the show, which I know you have, Faith, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have the same effect as somebody who, like myself, was just going in without basically any context except for what was on the back of the book. But I sat down and I didn't get up again until I had finished this book because I needed to know what had happened. Like, it was so propulsive. It was so tense. And again having watched the show maybe you wouldn't have the same effect but I think if you ever want to make time for it I think you should because it's a it's an easy one and especially for somebody who likes to read for plot it's it's a plot driven book and you just leap right into it at the start from what I recall like you don't you don't get a lot of backstory about like the dystopian world and how you ended up like how we ended up here and blah 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 you're just in there you're with Offred the main character and she's trying to survive and then it just goes yeah so would recommend. Yeah, and like you said, I've watched the show, so I wanted to read it, but I I didn't get into it in the first page, and then I my downfall also was the other A author that I read, which was... Oh, I guess it didn't start with A. I just started with a random book on my bookshelf, and then I was like, oh, I'll start with A's. But I read An Unwanted Guest by Shari Lapina, which is... Or Lapena? It was a fiction <laughs> mystery thriller book, and I... It gripped you more. No, the opposite. I didn't love it. I the plot was interesting. The characters I didn't, I just found insufferable. Like, I just found the main character to be, like, it's about a woman who moves to Boston following, she's from London, she moves to Boston following her husband, who is a cardiac surgeon, and he, she's pregnant, and she has a son, and, like, there's this weird woman who shows up and she starts to think that her husband is having an affair and also this woman is like harassing them and weird things happen in the house and she just feels like the sense of displacement um but she just kept making dumb decisions and I was like this is silly so anyway I didn't love that book and so but I pushed through to read it even though I didn't like it and the resolution of the whole plot was annoying also sorry to this author (laughs) and that's okay then Not, nothing nothing I, gets her just didn't work for you yeah I mean it was you know it was a really interesting plot I just think that the decisions that the characters were making I found frustrating fair I find it really frustrating when characters don't communicate properly and then that's what the plot hinges on I'm like just talk to each other yeah and then everything would be resolved yeah uh but anyway I didn't love that and then I picked up The Handmaid's Tale and I read the first couple of pages and it didn't grip me immediately so I was like, well, I'm just going to move on. Cause I don't and that's what you myself. needed after yeah. a previous unsatisfying read. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, I'm just going to push myself into something else. And so I picked up, uh, I can't remember what I read after that, but I picked up something else. And I continued on. But also part of what my reading was like last year was that I would do themed months. Right. Which was really fun for me and made it, made reading really interesting. Like in June, I only read queer books because I wanted to do like Pride Month. In October, I read like spooky books. I read, I guess I didn't, I intended to read holiday themed books. You read A Christmas Carol. Yeah, I read A Christmas Carol. By Charles Dickens. Yeah. I wanted to read more holiday books in December, but I was really gunning for, at that point I had surpassed 24 by so much that I was like, I'm going to make it to 40 books. So you were just reading anything yeah. that you could get your hands on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, we've, we've gotten some highlights of your, of your reading. Would you say that you had a favorite or maybe like a top three books that we could hear about from 2021? Yeah. Let me look at my list. Oh, it was a, it was The Other Child by Lucy Atkins. That was the one. An Unwanted Guest was actually just good. <laughs> oh no! So do you, oh no. Okay, so do you want to give the summary of this one? No, it was the same summary. It's just a different title. Okay, so 
The book that you described called An Unwanted Guest... By Lucy Atkins. ...is actually called... The Other Child by Lucy Atkins. By Lucy Atkins. So you don't... Which is still a mystery thriller book about the woman. You don't recommend it, still. Uh, yeah. But did you like An Unwanted Guest? An Unwanted Guest was good. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It was a fun read. Uh, my favorite book of last year... Or give us top three if you can. Okay, my top three. So, the first book that I'm going to talk about out of my top three, and I believe this is probably my favorite book out of the year, was In the Dreamhouse by Carmen Maria Machado, which is a memoir about a relationship that she had that was abusive. And what I found most interesting about it was that it's told in these little vignettes that each explore a different narrative trope. It was just so interesting. It was so different from anything that I had ever read before. And I just, like, was so captivated by it the whole time. Yeah, and I I read that one, too, a year or two before you did. And I love Carmen Maria Machado. We both love Her Body and Other Parties, which is her short story collection. I think something that's interesting about In the Dream House is that it addresses an abusive queer relationship, which I don't think I've ever read about before. And there are so many things that we just take for granted as queer people as experiences that we know happen but when I was reading this book I realized that I'd never actually seen this represented and how interesting that was and the book really dives into why that's the case or at least the introduction does the rest of the book is more kind of focused on her experiences and I was a little bit afraid of the fact because I knew going in that it was going to have those vignettes that each are done in different narrative tropes. And I thought that that was going to be a little bit gimmicky, but it really wasn't, I found. No, I completely agree. Like, I remember when we spoke about it before, I read it because I borrowed it from you. And I remember you had mentioned that you were, when you had first decided to read it, you had worried that it was going to be gimmicky. And I was just so, like, taken away with the different little vignettes and the way that, it was all one story, but every single thing felt different. Yeah. And the way that she explored it, it was, like, very clear that she teaches writing and, like, thinks a lot about writing. And I think that's what made it so such a fun read for me. But also, I think the vignettes and the different styles that were used, I guess never seemed like they were there for no reason Mm -hmm. like it never seemed like she was just showing off or that she had a boring story and she was trying to dress it up with different tropes or anything like that it seemed like the form was really following the story which Mm -hmm. I think is always what you need whenever it comes to any kind of more experimental writing like ask yourself why you're writing in this experimental way how does it complement the story or how does it complicate the story and I think that I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about the book, but I think that in the case of In the Dream House, it did. And the tropes all talk about the dream house, which is where Carmen Maria Machado and her partner lived in different tropes. And the different the different ways that the dream house was portrayed illuminated different perspectives on the abusive relationship, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good number one. Yeah. It was just so good. It was. Um, Everybody go and read In the Dream House. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Her Body and Other Parties. <laughs> yeah, I also read that one, and it was really good. But I, And I, I did really enjoy it, but I think In the Dream House really stayed with me longer than Her Body and Other Parties. Fair. We should have done like a 3-2-1, but oh well. So what's your yeah. number two? So sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, the others, I don't think I could say an order. Okay. Like in the rest of my three. I just know that In the Dream House probably was my favorite. Okay. Uh, number two probably would be The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. An absolute monster. I literally, I can't believe I read that book. It's, it's, it's over 800 pages. Yeah. According to Storygraph, it's 848 pages, which is just, if you had told me in 2020 that in 2021 I was going to read an 800 page book, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, I used to own a copy of Les Miserables. And it sat on my bookshelf forever, which is like people refer to it as the brick because it's so huge. And I remember seeing Prior of the Orange Tree sitting next to it on my bookshelf because I hadn't fully unpacked yet. And they were like just sitting together because they're the heaviest books that I had. And being like, I'm really gonna read one of those, eh? Like, <laughs> I didn't read Les Miserables, I got rid of it, but. Smaller font in yeah. Les Mis, I would say. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But anyway, yeah, so I read Pride of the Orange Tree, and I'm just thinking about how now to summarize that book, because so much happens. There's a lot. I mean, it's a fantasy to start off with, with dragons. It is a fantasy with dragons, which really hooked me immediately, because I love fantasy books, and also I love dragons. It features a queer romance. Yes. And do you need more than that? Honestly. You're right. Three three female protagonists. One is a queen. One is a witch type yeah. Your basic witch but type. Witch type assassin in disguise. And the other is a dragon rider. Like, yeah. I don't think... I think we just leave it at that. You're right. You're absolutely right. Go read it. And it's not a series. So even though it's 800 pages, when you get to the end of the book, it's mm-hmm. over. The story is over. Yeah. So maybe that helps for people who don't love fantasy series. Because I know there are people like that out there. I know. it is. It does feel so hard to commit to a series. I totally get that. Because it's like, there's so much to it, but... Yeah. It was nice that this was all kind of contained. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess third would be Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Mm. I also loved that one, which is another... All my favorite books are queer. (laughs) Is anyone surprised? (laughs) Queer writers just have the best taste. Yeah. And stories. Yeah. And books. This was more of an urban fantasy. It follows... The protagonist who is a private investigator and she has a twin sister. Her twin sister is able to use magic. She is not. And she gets called to investigate a murder at the high school that her twin sister teaches at. And the high school is a magic high school. It's for teens that have magic. And it was very interesting to see. I haven't read a lot of like I guess, urban fantasy. And it was really interesting to see the way that they like weaved that all together. The way that magic was just kind of like a part of their lives. And it was also just like an average high school. Like they, it wasn't like when you think of a magic school and you think of something like Harry Potter, where it's like very fleshed out and there's, it's just a regular old run of the mill high school with blockers, but also they do magic. And that, interesting. and that was probably a conscious choice. I mean, if you're writing a book like that, I can only imagine that, you know, now because of Harry Potter, you have to think about how am I going to portray the magic school? And I'm mm-hmm. sure it was a conscious decision to say, okay, well, we're going to go the opposite. No mm-hmm. magic staircases, no cutesy portraits. We're just having a shitty old high school. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's going to be magic. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very cool. Nice. Final question for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you give us the title and the author one more time for that one? Uh, Yeah, so that one was Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. And did you have any books that you read in 2021 that you feel like you really crossed off your TBR or that surprised you or anything else that you just want to highlight, I guess? A really anticipated book for me that came out in 2021 that I read in 2021 was uh, One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Which, if you probably have entered into the book community at all, you've heard of. Casey McQuiston's really having um, their moment on every single book-related platform right now. But I read Red, White, and Royal Blue in 2020, I guess. It would have been, yeah. So YA book about the son of the president. Decidedly not YA. Very much new adult. Sorry. Um, Which is a new adult book about... Uh, the son of the president of the United States and the son of British royalty. Uh, yeah, getting together. It's the, yeah, the first son of the United States and the Prince of Wales. They have a sort of rivalry. They wind up in this mi- mishap at a birthday party, and it's all over the news. And so they have to like fake this friendship in order to make it seem like there is no ill will or bad blood between son of the president and also the British royal family. And along the way, they fall for one another and kind of have to keep their relationship a secret and it explores that. So one last stop is um, the second novel that Casey has published. And I guess I shouldn't... McQuiston. I don't know her. (laughs) Um, And... You don't know McQuiston like that. Yeah, yeah. We're not on a first name basis. (laughs) And it is about a girl named August who lives in New York City and she runs into this woman named Jane on the subway and keeps running into her. They start talking, flirting, they get to know each other. And as it turns out, Jane is from the 70s and she is trapped on this subway and they don't know how she got there or how to get her back to the 70s and it involves some... Uh, you know, hand wavy science, I think, but it's very cool. And the romance was very sweet and also featured quite a good 
little found family trope in August's roommates that she has in New York City. She's new to New York City, and so she doesn't know anyone, and she starts to get to know them, and it's very sweet and very heartwarming. I remember when you were reading that book, and you seemed very engrossed, and also like you were having a really great time. Yeah. You were having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I would say the 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 strength that I think that this author really has in the novels that they write is they're very, I almost want to say like cinematic, like they give you that feeling that watching a really good like early 2000s rom-com has, like I can see the montages in my brain as I'm reading the book and it, it I end the book and I feel that like lighthearted, like I had a really fun time. So yeah, I think that's the best part of reading those novels. I really felt that way about the, I think, trilogy of books that starts with Sweet Scarlet by Maureen Johnson, Mm -hmm. which was a young adult novel about a family that lives in and runs a hotel in New York City. And there are lots of kooky guests that come in and out of the hotel. And the main character, whose name I've forgotten because I read this when I was a teenager, she gets wrapped up in a lot of mischief, let's say, with an older, very glamorous woman who comes to stay at the hotel. And also the whole time that, you know, she's trying to help her family uh, save the hotel from going out of business, et cetera, et cetera. But it just gave me that, like, that cinematic feeling that you're describing, that feeling of, like, being in there with the characters and being in this, like, really fun, cozy environment. I know Maureen Johnson has continued to write young adult books. I haven't read them because I'm no longer a young adult. But I think that Sweet Scarlet has kind of fallen by the wayside, maybe been a bit forgotten. So I'm just going to plug that out there if anybody out there is a teenager, reads YA, that's a good one. So Good recommendation. Thank you. Sweet Scarlet, Maureen Johnson. What are your top three books of last year? Okay, so while you were talking, I was listening very intently, but I was also just having a gander <laughs> at my list so I could be ready for this question. So again, I'm not sure that I can give, you know, I think these are in no particular order. I don't think I can rank them because all three of them are very different. And... There were definitely books that came close to the top three, but I think these are the top three. So I didn't read that many, comparatively to how many books I normally read in a year, I didn't read that many books in 2021. I read 21 books, which is the same as the year. I just realized that. Um, I read 21 books, which was fine. A lot of them felt like a slog, so the ones that I enjoyed uh, did stand out. The first one, I don't think many people will be surprised by this, is Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro, which is about, it's his uh, newest novel, and it's about an artificial intelligence robot friend that is programmed to be a friend to a child, and her name is Clara, and she's chosen by this mother and her child and brought home, and as she gets to know the child, Uh, She realizes that there is something going on in this family, and I don't really want to spoil it more than that, even though that's pretty vague, but the twist of what is actually happening with this family is is really a gut punch, so I don't want to really give anything away, but I just feel, and everyone has said this, but like Clara's perspective is just so, I don't even know, it's so like kind and the way that she sees the world is so specific and it just makes you like, I don't know, it makes you just clutch your heart. Like she believes that the sun, because she's solar powered, she believes that the sun is God. And so she like prays to the sun and she thinks that the sun has the power to like give and take life. And when things don't align with her, you know, religious view, she gets very confused, but she's just very, she's very sweet. And she just wants the family that she's with to be okay and to be able to take care of people. And, ah. It's just so good. Everybody read Clara in the Sun. (laughs) I remember after you read that one, you were raving about it. You really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I freaking should be Kazuo Ishiguro's like PA because I spend more time talking about him than... (laughs) I mean, I know everybody loves him. I know I'm not unique in that, but I really do like talk about him a lot. But it's very good. I really, really enjoyed it. And especially if you've read some of his more like speculative fiction-y novels, because not all of them are, are speculative fiction, but if you've read... Never Let Me Go, for example, I think that um, you'd really like Clara in the Sun. So I read that one in March, and then my last two I actually read in December, so they snuck right under the line. But I finally read Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg, which I'd been wanting to read for ages. But because Leslie Feinberg did not want to profit off of 
their work. They didn't want it to be published traditionally. So I think it was originally published traditionally, but then they published the whole thing on their website so that it can be accessed by anyone for free, which is great, but it also means that it's hard to get at a library or a bookstore or even as an ebook. Uh, so I actually accessed it through your Scribd account. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it that way. Uh, and it was worth it. I mean, it's a very, it, it follows a young butch well let's let's they describe themselves as a as a butch woman i think that you could read uh you know some trans experience into the main character but they're growing up in i believe the 60s and it follows their life trying to navigate being queer working being in queer community dating etc it was shocking to me having recently watched the experience of black protesters in the united states how relevant the experiences of the main character with police uh, in the book are. The book also touches on union organizing. It talks about different people's sexual experiences who are more mask presenting or who are trans. It talks about interracial politics within the queer community. It's very, very interesting. And it's a short read, but it's a really tough one because there are some tough scenes that happen in jail and with police and there is police brutality so content warnings for that if you don't want to read that you shouldn't but if you feel up to it it's a really good one and it is available for free so i would recommend it um it has received some criticism for its politics which are a little bit i would say out of date but i was surprised and kind of shocked with how relevant so much in the book is so that's my number two it's a good one would recommend and the third is Matrix by Lauren Groff, which came out in 2021, which is about Marie de France, who was a the head of an abbey, a nun at an abbey in England. She's basically sent to the abbey by the Queen of France in the 12th century, and she doesn't want to be there, and she doesn't want to be a nun, because in the book, although she's based on a historical figure, in the book, Lauren Groff has made her gay and has made her in love with the queen, so when the queen sends her away, she's very mad about it. And she doesn't want to be a nun in this horrible place where nuns are starving because they don't have enough funds. They're dying of the plague, etc. And the rest of the book is just about her making the abbey better and kind of building it from the ground up and progressing through the ranks of the nuns until she is the abbess, who is the, I guess the head nun. Mm -hmm. And the kind of like hook for the book is she wants to build a labyrinth around the abbey so that nobody can get there, so that no men can get there, and so that her nuns are protected, which I think resonates with a lot of women who have experienced a lot of misogyny in recent years from uh, political leaders, let's say. So there is that interesting perspective and angle on it, but also it's just a really interesting historical fiction book. It's a historical fiction book that reads like contemporary fiction. I don't think that I felt any distance from the characters because of the time when the book was set at any point in the book. It felt immediate and relevant to me, which was quite an accomplishment on Lauren Groff's part, given the setting and given that I didn't know anything about this woman before. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even sure because she's just called Marie. So I wasn't sure if she was actually a historical figure. I had to look it up. Uh, I knew the queen obviously was a historical figure and that there had to be some historical events in the book that were based in reality, but I didn't know, like, I don't know that history super well. Right. So it all felt really, really immediate, and that was very impressive to me. Nice. So, so that was Matrix by Lauren Groff. Very nice. I don't think you answered what your reading was like last year and what your goals are for this year. Well, you didn't ask me that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, why you asked don't me we... for my top three. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Well... You know, let's rewind. Let's let's circle back, if you will. Oh, great. To... I love circling back. <laughs> <laughs> We've put a pin in it. Now we're unpinning. Can you send me an Outlook invite for it? Yeah, absolutely, I can. <laughs> hey, this is a retrospective. We're circling back. <laughs> we're doing a SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what was your reading like in 2021? It was piss poor. <laughs> Can we say that? I know you've tagged the podcast as clean. I don't know if we should put an explicit tag. It's just a toggle button. I can... <laughs> it's not that hard. My 2021 reading was not good. And I don't know why. I just had a slump for all of 2021. I think it was a combination of external factors. I was had a very stressful job. I had a lot of other things going on and I just wasn't able to make the mental space for reading, I think. I hung out a lot with my friend who I lived with, which was wonderful, and I read less. But I did manage to knock off some books that I had wanted to read for a long time, which was great. So I think the quality was definitely there even if like I said some of the books were were a slog but some of them I appreciated that I'd finally made the time to read so I did read two new books by Jane Austen I'm trying to finish all the Austens this year I have two left but in 2021 I read Persuasion by Jane Austen and Mansfield Park by Jane Austen both of those, I would say, are some dark horse Austin entries. Mm -hmm. You don't hear people talking a lot about Persuasion and Mansfield Park, at least, I think, compared to Pride and Prejudice, your Emma, your Sense and Sensibility. You know, mm -hmm. these are some bit of, bit of a couple of weird ones. Uh, Persuasion is interesting because it's about a woman who was previously in love with someone and turned down his proposal. This isn't a spoiler because it happens like before the action of the book. Um, also, the book came out many, many years ago. <laughs> hey, listen, people get mad at me about spoilers. I'm very bad you about them. <laughs> you spoiled Jane Austen. Do not spoil the Bible for me, okay? <laughs> I don't want to know what happens to Christ. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, so anyway, she turns down a proposal from this man because her family convinces her to. They don't think it's a good idea, so they convince her, they persuade her. Persuasion. If, if you will. Not to accept the proposal, and she regrets it. And then he comes back into her life, this man, uh, Captain Wentworth, I think it is, and she has to contend with that, and she has to contend with her regret, whether she still has feelings for him. Does he still have feelings for her? I'm not going to tell you. Could she you gotta read persuade it. him? Maybe she could persuade him. Uh, so, so it's an interesting one in that it's a character with a little bit more maturity than your Elizabeth Bennet, you know? Um, so that's a, that's a different perspective, which I appreciated. But it's definitely a quiet one. But it is a slow one. So just keep that in mind if you're going to read Persuasion. Mansfield Park is a wild ride. I realized halfway through the book that Jane Austen is making fun of this character. She's not a, <laughs> supposed to be a serious character. She's very simpering. She's sort of like a paragon of all the stereotypes of what young women at the time were expected to be. She is almost, she's almost a caricature of the obedient, servile woman. And I could not believe that the same woman who had written Elizabeth Bennet had also written this character whose name I believe is Fran or Franny um, as a main character of one of her novels. And then I realized, because I looked it up online, that many people say that the character is actually supposed to be a joke um, because she's so uh, obedient to her brother. She's so pious. She's so quiet. Everybody just walks all over her and she doesn't do anything about it. So it was a bit of a different one. Um, but again, I, I do think it's worth it. I do think it's it's more fun. It's more playful than Persuasion. So it has a little bit of a different tone. So I did enjoy that one. Again, does it matter whether I enjoyed these classics by Jane Austen? No, absolutely not. But <laughs> those are my perspectives. Maybe they will entice you to pick it up and come up with your own opinion. I think I think those are some good highlights from 2021. I think so also. I won't, I won't talk about the books that were just meh for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll just keep it to the highlights. I'll see if I, let me see if I have any other books that I want to recommend. Milk Fed by Melissa Broder was great. I'm a big Melissa Broder fan. She wrote So Sad Today. Um, she also wrote The Pisces, which is a book about a merman uh, that falls in love with a human woman. So I would recommend that one. Also Outlawed by Anna North, which was a book about a bunch of queer cowboys and cow people in an alternate historical America. So I would recommend that one too. Very nice. Okay, that's it. That was my 2021. 
What was the other question? <laughs> 2022. Yeah, what are your goals for 2022? You didn't talk about your goals for 2022. You're right, I didn't. Well, do you want to go first? And then sure. I can go. So my goal for 2022 is to read 40 books. We're just trying to, to match last year. We're not yeah. we're not trying to fly too close to the sun. Yeah, like, listen, I'm not out here saying I'm going to read 50 books. Maybe I, you know, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get over 40 the way that I got over 24. We'll see. But I think I read 40 books last year. 40 is a reasonable number of books. Um, for you. For me. If I read at the pace at which I read last year. And already I have kind of outpaced last year. So maybe I will read more. But I do anticipate probably there will be like a slump along the way. There usually is for me. So. When does your yeah. slump usually come? It's usually like November, December. Like end of the year. I get into a slump. And then sometimes in the summer. Because I'm going out. I'm doing things. I want to be outside. I don't want to be inside. But. Last year I did do some reading in like parks and stuff, which was nice. So maybe I'll do that again this year. Yeah, my big slump is in the summertime. So I feel like I am the opposite of the, I guess I am the cricket who sang all summer because I don't do anything in the summer and I do all my reading in the wintertime. So I'm trying to read as much as I can until May and then I know that it's just going to fall off a cliff. But you want to read 40? Yes. And do you have any specific goals about types of books you would like to read? Yeah. So within that 40, let me pull up my little 2022 goals note that I have. So within that 40, I want to read 10 books by Indigenous authors, 10 queer books. And so for me, that can include just like books by queer authors, but also queer stories. Um, So I think that those are, you know... Typically, queer stories are written by queer people. But, for example, I read recently a nonfiction book, which is called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. And the fact that she's queer doesn't really play a part in what she's exploring in the in the book, but she is a queer author. So I include that in my 10 queer authors. And then 10 books by black authors, which probably will be my February bulk of reading. Nice. Another, yeah. another themed month. Another themed month. I like that. That sounds good. Do you think? Do you think you have a good shot? Because 30 books out of 40 is 75%. Yeah, So 75% um, of your reading is going to be structured towards a goal. I was looking earlier and I have read two queer books and one book by a black author. So nice. Getting getting a good start. Getting there. Yeah. Good. Anything else in terms of your resolutions, 2022 plans? My goal is 20,000 pages. Right. Last year, I read 14,000 pages and... This year, I'm hoping, you know, even within 40 books, I'll read meatier books, I guess. I read a couple of shorter, I guess, fluffier contemporary romances last year, and they were great, like, little filler books, but I would like to read some, I guess, more dense books, which I don't know that I'm off to a great start. One of the books I read this month was a novella, so... <laughs> so next is Crime and Punishment, right? Yeah. yeah. So Ulysses. I'm pulling out the brick next this year. Lay Miz, 2022. <laughs> Javert, etc. Yeah. I Although... Re- I don't really know that musical. <laughs> it's a classic. Although it was the only one that was really short. Like, the rest of mine were average. And... Yeah, you're doing okay. Yeah. If you can fit some... Some big ones in there. Yeah. Some big boys. Then I think you'll you'll have a good shot. And I'm currently reading a book that's like 800 pages right now, so. What are you currently reading? Well, one of the five I have on the go is Imaginary Friend by Stephen Jabosky. Right. Which is a horror novel. Which is a horror novel. Interesting pivot for Stephen Jabosky. I know. The author of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, which is why I picked it up, because I saw it in a... As I mentioned, last October, I read spooky books for the month of October on a Halloween theme, and that, for me, was mostly horror. I read a couple horror novels, or just, like, spooky, witch, ghosty-themed books, but I'd never really done a foray into that genre of books before. I'm a big fan of horror movies and shows, but I've never really read horror books, I guess because I thought they wouldn't be that scary, because I don't... Why would I get scared? It's just a book. I can just close it and put it down. Complete opposite. Very scary. You can turn off a movie too, but those scare the bejesus out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I read one that I had to walk away. I had nightmares. I had to walk away from it. So what was that? It was called... If People Want a Spooky Read. If People Want a Spooky Read, this is the book for you. It's called... um, I know it was by Paul Tremblay, and I want to read like his backlist of books because it was really 
I thought he had a really interesting way of telling the story. So it's called A Head Full of Ghosts, and it was about, it's told from the perspective of an eight-year-old girl, and she and her family are dealing with the fact that something is wrong with her older sister, who I believe is 14, and it's not a spoiler to say she's having what appears to be a psychotic, psychotic break, but her father has recently lost his job, and he has gotten really into the church, and so he has convinced them himself that her older sister is possessed and they need to do an exorcism. And a lot of really creepy things happen, and it really toes the line between whether something supernatural is happening or whether she is, like, in psychosis. And so it was really interesting. It was really creepy because it's told from the perspective of an eight-year-old girl, so you don't really... She doesn't know what's going on, so you don't know what's going on, and it was really interesting to see, have that narrator. It was very spooky. But anyway... When I was looking up horror books to read for the month of October, that was on the list. So that's how I found it. And also Imaginary Friend was on the list. And I started it last year and I am not that far into it. I'm maybe like 10% of the way into it. But it is good so far and it hasn't gotten very scary yet. But I have a feeling it's coming around the corner. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. But it's like 800 pages. So it's so long. So you think you're going to finish it? I think I'm going to finish it this year. All right. I'm going to ask for an update in a couple months. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll see if it gets done. What about you? What are your 2022 goals? So I don't have as many goals this year about the types of books I'd like to read because I did have such a slump last year. And so this year I want to focus on just reading more, uh, anything that will hold my interest that will be enjoyable for me to read. I guess the one specific thing is that because I think it's going to be attainable in 2022, I do want to read the last two Jane Austen books I haven't read. Um, I know that she, they recently published, I think, an unfinished novel by her. I'm not including that one. Um, but the two that I still have to read are Emma and Sense and Sensibility. So I think I can do that. But other than that, I just want to read uh, 40 books as well. Like I said, it's a bit of a jump from 21 last year to 40 this year, but normally 40 is around what I would read. So I think I can do it. And I had a pages goal of 20,000 like you, but then I realized how many books, like how much that would actually require me to read. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way I can do that. So I think I'm going to put it down to 15,000 and right. we'll see if I can do that. But I've read five books this year. And so I think... I think I can do it. I think I'm off to a good start. I do experience a big slump between May and August, but hopefully I can read a lot up until then and we can be off to the races. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. I also want to read a book or two in French because I have to speak in French for my job and I think it would be helpful to read some French books. So that's another little small reading goal that I have as well. All very attainable goals, I think. I think You'll they're definitely pretty reasonable. Meet your pages goal. I don't think I'll re meet my pages goal. I don't put in as much weight and into that goal as I do the number of books. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Like for me, meeting the goal of 40 books, I actually don't even think it's that important. Like I would like to, but if I don't read 40 books, it's not the end of the world. But I would say I kind of put my weight more behind meeting that goal than my pages goal. I think so too. But the fact that Storygraph is telling me like that I'm behind my goal of 20,000 words. I'm like, no kidding. Yeah. Of course I am. <laughs> so I think I'm going to lower it just so that I don't get berated by Storygraph when I know I'm never reading 20,000 pages. That's fair. All right. Well, I think... Well, you can just get rid of that goal so that it doesn't stress you out if it's that stressful for you. Nah. I like it when it tells me I'm ahead. I know. So nice. if it's if it's reasonable... I love their little, like, brilliant, fantastic, like, yeah. Yeah, give me that validation. <laughs> that serotonin boost is nice. I think we have covered off our 2021 reading and our plans for 2022 reading. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get to the competition? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I think you went first last time. You can go first this time. Okay. I already know how it's going to go. I've read 1,951 pages. Good job. Thank you, thank you. I have read 1,496 pages. That's great, though. I've had a busy last few days. I haven't been able to read. So, you know, we're going to get back into it. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to catch up with you. You are. We were pretty much neck and neck for a while there, but then I didn't read for like three days. So yeah. that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And I was very determined to finish that last book that I read. So yes, that's what put me ahead. That's true. And what was that book? Uh, that book was The Wolf and the Woodsman by Ava Reed. 
Would you recommend that? I had mixed feelings about it. I would say I, no. <laughs> I don't think you liked that one. You know what? I would say if you are a fantasy reader, I would read this book. I thought it was really interesting. It was really unique. I think because it's based in Jewish mythology and Hungarian history, I think it was very, not something you see a lot. Like a lot of fantasy books are just the same like English folktale retold. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this was very much like a folk fantasy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so if you have read other like folk fantasy books uh, before, if that's kind of your vibe, this was definitely like, I would give it a go. Like I had some issues with the plot. I think the author got a little caught up in the mythology and telling these stories, um, which understandably like the book is a, at its, I think at its core, what the story is trying to tell is there the book is told from the perspective of a pagan girl who they live in this country that is run by i think it's the patrifaith is what it's called um, it's like a fictional country yeah it's situation. like a fictional country the monarch very clearly is like catholicism every year or so the king's men come into the woods they take a pagan girl they bring her to the capital and she is sacrificed for the king and the reason for that is because the pagans have magic and there's also the Yehuli who live in the capital city and they are very clearly Jewish and they're oppressed by the faith and by the monarch and the pagan girl the main character she is half pagan half Yehuli and she develops this romance between the prince of the monarchy and so it's really at its core what it's trying to say is like all of all of them have different parts of the stories together like the patrifaith takes the same like has kind of similar powers to the pagans but they think it's more holy because they're praying to their god to get it and they're sacrificing parts of themselves and so anyways we're all we're all really the same yeah and kumbaya I mean, I wouldn't say that it goes that far, but (laughs) really what it's trying to show is like the diverse, how, you know, there's diversity in religions, but also what it comes down to is stories for everyone. And I think that that's really what the author is trying to get across. Um, And I think she gets really wrapped up in stories and telling the stories. I think probably she would have done better if this was a series and maybe she couldn't get buy-in for a series. And so that's why it's a standalone book, or maybe she didn't want to write a series, but it really was like there was like three different plot lines going on and because she got so wrapped up in the mythology I think uh pacing kind of fell to the wayside and also like physically what was happening with the characters in the space that they were occupying kind of fell to the wayside like a lot of the times I got a little bit lost so you know there were some issues but if you are a fantasy reader I would recommend it if you're not a fantasy reader I don't think this one's for you and the name and the author one more time uh The Wolf and the Woodsman by Ava Reed Well, I think that about wraps it up. So tune in next time if you would like to hear me absolutely smash faith in the number of pages because I'm definitely going to catch up in that amount of time. And I think next time we're going to be doing a wrap up of the books we read in January. And we've both had quite a, I would say, diverse and full reading month. So I think that's one to tune into if you'd like some good recommendations. Yeah, looking forward to it. I can't wait to talk about all the books I read. Okay, amazing. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye.